Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. Here's your host, Kyle Corwin. What up, what up, and welcome back to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. This is episode 20. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate, welcome to the offseason. Happy off season, everyone. I know it's been the off season for you for Oh right. Like, oh yeah. How did I know that was coming? Like a month no, really. It's a, we're almost coming up on a month, aren't we? Here here soon, right? Yeah. You know those like I've seen those posts on social media everywhere where it's like day one without baseball and it's like the Pablo Escobar sitting on the swings. Day two is like SpongeBob crying, right? Oh yeah. I'm on like I'm on like day thirty. And yeah, you've had some time to let it marinate. It doesn't get any better, honestly. Well, I've uh, I've got a whiteboard at my in my little cubicle at work, and I I think it was yesterday that I put up the countdown. So I got the countdown to pitchers and catchers reporting. Love it. And I've got the countdown since I know that we'll be in it. I've got the countdown to the World Series. Um, so it's uh it's gonna be a long winter, but hopefully we can make it a little easier you know you're gonna have to do if i'm still here in arizona you're gonna have to uh come visit me and i know both of our teams play in florida and not in the uh, spring training but it's fun man you should come hang out in some nice weather and we'll catch some games out here well i know like like we mentioned here before i know the Sox will be out west for their interleague games i think they're either playing Yep. They actually, yep. They no, they're, West. yeah, they're actually in Colorado. I think in yeah. like July or August. So we got either Colorado on the map, we got Arizona on the map. I've never been to Cali. If you want to go together, I'm in. I'd be down for a for a trip out west. Um, but what I'm down for at this very moment is now that we're now that we're removed, now that the World Series parade is in the books, we can finally take a step back and look at. 2018 as a whole all the good all the bad the managers the players we can finally finally recap it so all the good you, you want to lead us off with the pace of play that was implemented this year yeah so obviously uh mlb keeps going at it every year we're probably going to see this every year of just uh efforts to try to speed up the game new ideas whatever can work so in 2018, we saw the first kind of big uh, rule implemented with the six mound visits per team. Um, obviously, with extra innings, you get some extra visits in there. But this was the first year. I think uh, I think it went okay. I don't I don't think I don't know. Honestly, I, I haven't really looked into how much time was trimmed off of games or how you know average game time went down. But I didn't mind the mound visit thing honestly did you not really um kind of piggybacking off your your sentiment my my thought on really all the pace of play stuff was that it didn't really make or break my spirits at all like it yeah. wasn't a thing where it's like oh, okay this game's ruined there's no there's no turning right. back it was just right. one of those things where it's like all right like i can i can see like the the aim or the intent here but yeah, like, it didn't overly affect it yeah. uh, in a either positive or negative way. Like I said, it may have trimmed 
I don't know, six minutes off of each game or whatever. It but... Actually, I've actually got that number for you. Yeah. Uh, nine inning game this season averaged exactly three hours on the dot. And it was down five minutes from 2017, uh, which was, if you're doing the math at home, three hours and five minutes. Um, but this year at three hours was also the same as the mark in 2016. So in terms of <laughs> so like, in terms of the big picture, like I don't, uh, in terms of fluctuating, I don't know if it's, if yeah. it's on its way down, but I do know that it's kind of hovering around that three hour mark. And then obviously you have your outliers there, like four hours and so on and so forth. But yeah. So the truth is like for us as fans probably didn't really make that much of a difference. Um, I'm sure it affected the thought process of managers and pitching coaches, but uh, for us in the stands or at TV or, or on the couch watching on TV, it, it really didn't change too much of our of my viewership. Anyway, um, they did it two years ago, and they re uh, reiterated it to do it this year. But the whole hitter keeps one foot in the box rule. Uh, which, I didn't, which really, as a player, I'm, I've never been a fan of, I need, I, it I doesn't need to matter step to out me. of the box. I need to collect myself. I don't, I don't like umpires chirping in my ear to keep a foot in the box. Yeah. That, that stuff doesn't bother me. Um, obviously we don't hear too much of what chirping goes on between umpires and players, especially from the umpire side with the mask and everything. But, uh, I, I don't know if it was even really enforced that much or really focused on that much. It, I don't know. Like I said, five minutes trimmed off a game, whatever. Um, another one was uh, that they made slow-mo videos immediately available to uh, the whoever is you know reviewing the stuff in the clubhouse for each team. So the challenges, in my opinion, happened a little bit quicker because of uh, the people working the cameras and for each team was, was able to see stuff at a quicker rate and be able to make that decision a little bit quicker. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's, I think that was kind of good. Um, the big one that I don't know if anyone knew, I didn't know until I looked it up today. Uh, I didn't really pay attention to it at the beginning of the year, but they set uh, certain times for commercial breaks or in between innings uh, for local games. It was set at two minutes and five seconds, national games, two minutes and 25 seconds. And for tiebreaker slash postseason games, two minutes and 55 seconds. So those were our big, if you will, you know, set rules of pace of play. Uh, I don't, it didn't matter to me. Like I said, you and I both are on the same page. I really don't care how long the game is because it is what it is. It's still baseball. Yeah, I mean, those inning breaks like you were just talking about, those don't bother me because that's like – behind the scenes, if you will, like that's, that yeah. has no real direct effect on the game other than the fact that it, it could potentially have an effect on a pitcher's uh, mid inning kind of routine in terms of warm up pitches, right. et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, what I will say that is that I, I have talked to my buddy who was in the bigs and he said, um, you know, he was, he's been out for two years, so it may have changed with these new rules, but he said like there were times where, Pitchers ready, hitters ready, catchers, catchers ready, umpires ready. They're all just kind of sitting there, and they look over to like the uh, you know the I guess on field editor or whoever, whatever that title is called, 
and they just kind of hold up like a like a stop sign hand they're saying we're still waiting for this commercial end and then they give you the green light right and then you can get in the box or get on the rubber or whatever so he said that did happen pretty often so like i said maybe this is something that's more affected at the field level than it is as a fan um but i mean i guess i can kind of give a little pat on the back to mlb for trying to do something that they think is a big need i don't know not a big need for me i don't care i'm hesitant to pat uh manford on the back because i'm just not hasn't really grown on me yet i don't really like yeah me neither it's it's more or less the rest of his team you know baseball operations joe torrey is the man so i'll pat his back Certainly. Um, and before we move on, forgot to clarify at the beginning for our listeners, basically the plan for this episode is to just run through kind of the main highlights. Uh, some, most good, some, some not as good, depending upon who you're, uh, what team you're a fan of. Um, <laughs> but some will be lengthier than others, but we just wanted to, in, in talks before getting on the episode, Nate and I, uh, made it clear that we wanted to kind of just highlight the, the main, the main points of the season. Um, so we're, that, that's the plan for this episode is to just run through these at whatever rate we feel necessary. So moving on to, uh, managers, new managers making their debuts, um, running through these, uh, just in turn or just in, in regards to their win loss record, uh, we got Alex Cora with the Red Sox at 108, uh, a record of 108 and 54. Aaron Boone at 162. Dave, Davey Martinez at 82 and 80. Gabe Kapler 80 and 82. Mickey Callaway 77 and 85. Mike Schilt as an interim coach went 41 and 28 in his stint, and Jim Riggleman as an interim coach went 64 and 80 in his stint. So any, any surprises, any, any letdowns? What are some of your thoughts? Uh, so I kind of went along and gave a grade for each of these guys. So, um, I went in alphabetical order, so I'm going to, I'm just going to go with that. Well, Um, I'm going to go based off the win loss record because. (laughs) All right. We can, we can do that for you. So for me, uh, obviously Alex Cora, um, I give him an A, not an A plus. I'm pretending not surprised. Um, the only reason um, I don't give him an A plus is because, uh, you know, it, your job is is made pretty. You know, it's it's made easier when you have two, probably two of the top three MVP vote getters. You know, the two of those guys you can pretty much ride in the lineup every day. They take care of your heart of the lineup. Uh, I think, in my opinion, that makes your job much easier. Um, and that's fair. Uh, but before you continue, would you would you not agree with the point that the fact that you have talent in your lineup is kind of negated, at least to a degree, by the fact that it's his first year managing? Like, it doesn't matter. To me, and obviously there's a little bias here, but to me it doesn't really matter what lineup you're, you inherit um, yeah. It, like if you're, if you're a new guy, like if you're a first year manager as core is, it's still like, you still have those learning curves. So like, I don't know yeah, if, if, that, if that went like, into your thought process. Definitely gets an A. Like it, it, to me, it's the, the A plus is, wasn't even his fault. It was just the fact that he, he was blessed with a, a pretty good roster. 
a pretty healthy roster all year. I will add, you guys didn't really deal with much. Maybe Chris Sale towards the end of the season, but your place was already a lock. Uh, and so, you know, to me, it's just, I think it, it was it made his job much easier. But we saw very impressive understanding of his team, knowing when to press what buttons. That was very evident during the off, or, uh, during the postseason with talking about knowing your pinch hitters, you know, knowing who to play defensively, you know, trusting guys that aren't your stars to, to, to you know, put in the lineup and expect them to show up. Just, I, I think, an overall really good job. Um, and so I, I give him an A. But the A-plus is, is, is not even something he did negatively. It's just something that I think made his job a little easier. That's all. Yep. Um, next one, Aaron Boone. Um, obviously, I watched him close all year. He gets a B minus for me. Um, I think it was on the opposite end of what Cora did. Very evident that he didn't understand his pitchers, specifically in the postseason. Um, he didn't understand when to pull uh, or when to press both buttons or when to pull them or when to, you know what I'm saying? It, it just, he didn't quite get it. Didn't quite know his guys. Um, I'm frustrated as a Yankees fan because he came in saying, I'm going to have a relationship with my players. I'm going to understand them. I don't know. Part of me sees that as, yes, you need to do that as a manager. But the other part says, you need to have a disconnect and be unemotional when you're pulling a guy. There needs to be absolutely zero emotion saying, this is the situation. I'm pulling him. And it just needs to be done. Um, yeah, you can say they won 100 games, but I think my grandma could have coached this team to 100 games. So uh, B- minus for Aaron Boone. Uh, next one. Who we got? Who was next? Was it, uh, Davey Martinez. Davey Martinez. Um, despite the overall record on this list, he gets a D-. minus. D-, minus, as in dog poop minus. Um your overall record was the only reason you're not an F, in my opinion. Um, you Man, managed tell to the pull out. How you a, really feel? Yeah, you managed to pull off uh, a plus five hundred year, but dude, you you had a, such a good roster. You had such a talented clubhouse in a very bad division. Um, it and he, he was picked. I mean, the, they were picked to to win the division from the start and. To possibly win the NLCS. I think it was just a big letdown. The GM didn't help him. Are we buying? Are we selling? What are we doing at the trade deadline? There's back and forth. And then there's disarray in the clubhouse. Players are pissed off at each other. They're pissed off at Dave. So bad score. Bad overall score for Dave Martinez. What do you got for Gabe? Gabe... Believe it or not, I gave Gabe a little bit better grade than I think most people would. Uh, Gabe gets a, a B minus. That's respectable. Um, I think that's pretty decent. Um, I think, again, it was more or less, I think the roster was set up a little strange by the GM. I think Arietta was overpaid. Um, I think Kingery was overpaid. Scott Kingery, I um but the weird part was, and we talked about this, was the signing of Carlos Santana. You, you're pushing 
in my opinion, your future of your team, Reese Hoskins, out of his natural position. And you're putting him in left field. That experiment didn't work. That was a nightmare. Um, so I think it was, it was more or less the roster wasn't quite right. And it needs a couple ticks to, to get it in motion. Aaron Nola had a great year. Adubo Herrera had a great year. Um, so I think there's a lot of positive things to say about the Phillies. But we did see some weird stuff with Gabe Kapler about, you know, not having guys up in the bullpen, not having the right guys up in the bullpen. It was it was a little strange that way. But I think overall, you know, they had, they had a chance up until the last couple weeks of the season. And that's all you can really ask for with a young, unexpecting team. And that's the thing is they were they were obviously praised for their staff because they were very, very talented staff. Uh, but at the same time, very young staff, and I think right. I think I've mentioned on here in previous episodes that um, I, I I would say that part of their downfall there down the stretch was just that lack of experience and not knowing kind of what it takes to carry yourself mentally, physically, uh, to the extent of a 162 game season. And I think, like I said, I think we saw that play out right in front of us uh, down the stretch, which is. Uh, why I think it contributed to um, them not being able to pull out the division like many people thought. Right, 100%. 100%. Who was next on that order? Mickey Callaway. Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. Uh, I kind of feel bad about this grade. I say C-. minus. I could probably give him an overall C- um, it, he was doomed from the start. This roster was doomed from the start, in my opinion. Um, the only good thing I can really say about the Mets is DeGrom obviously had just a ridiculous year. I mean, just a uncharted territory year. We've never seen stuff like that. Um, you know, we did get a nice little uh, goodbye from David Wright, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, you know, it's... A lot of bad injuries. Um, you know, Cespedes is just uh, a very confusing player to me right now, health-wise. Uh, when you're seeing a guy with a lot of lower half issues, it's hard to get much more production out of him. I don't know if we're ever going to see the Cespedes of old. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's just kind of it for that. Is There's not a whole lot to say about the Mets. I mean, I... I hope to see him competitive again, but you know I'm not sure Mickey Callaway will be around in 20 years when that finally does come to fruition. Yeah, there just wasn't wasn't very very many expectations for the Mets this year, and I think most rationally thinking Mets fans would probably agree. <laughs> it's just right along with the expectations. Uh, we we got we got the interim coaches up next. Uh, do, 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 do. So technically who did better? Mike Schultz did better, right? Uh, yeah. Cause Riggleman finished 60 or he went 64 and 80. Yeah. He, he took off early. He, uh, he got that job early. Mike Schultz got it pretty late. Um, I think he did a great job. I give him an A. Um, I think he did a great job of getting this team flipping the script, man. They were just like, they were a big surprise to not even, really be doing much they seem to just be going through the motions um and this is i'm a big mike matheny fan like uh, i really do like mike matheny and so it's coming from someone that like i like him but it was definitely time 
to move on and, and see what we could get out of this roster. Um, Azuna started playing well again. Um, Ger- uh, Jericho started playing well. Matt Carpenter went off for a little bit. So, like, they really – it came down to, like, I think the last week and a half um, that they totally just flipped the script and, and got back into a fighting chance. So I give him an A. Good call, good call. And Riggleman? Riggleman, C+. Plus. Um, nothing much to say here, honestly. It's another case of the GM kind of leaving you in no man's land. Um, I don't understand what they're doing with Vado. I don't understand, you know, they're, they're sellers on uh, Mezzarocco. They're buyers on on uh, Matt Harvey. It's just like it's strange stuff's going on over there in Cincy. Um, I think the front office is the one that needs to be making some changes. But to my mind, C-plus is something you just kind of shrug and be like, yeah, okay, whatever. So that's all Riggleman gets from me. Good deal. Professor Reyes giving us the grades. Um, Start a segment. Moving on. uh, Opening day. Big day for the Cubs. Uh, We'll move through these next few points a little little quicker. Um, Ian Happ, home run on first pitch of the season. Awesome. Pretty cool to see. We were actually celebrating opening day in my office. We had it up on the big screen. Um, and I was sitting there watching it and saw that, and I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I need to get a job over there. Sounds sweet. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a sweet gig. Um, Anthony Rizzo, uh, more on, on a more serious note, uh, hitting the home run also on opening day, which came uh, roughly a month after the Stoneman Douglas shooting, which was actually his high school back in his in uh, his hometown of Parkland, Florida. Um. Just really cool to see a guy who had become a spokesperson uh, for that that moment in history, I guess you could say, um, yeah. be, be able to kind of help the healing process in that in that way. And really, one of the one of the few ways he could as a baseball player, like as a first baseman, right. you can obviously you can obviously go to the go to the location, go to the site, um, speak at the memorials. Um, but to see him be able to kind of utilize his occupation in the best way that he could, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, a few debuts uh, on opening day, Shohei Otani making his major league debut with the angels um, finished, finished the season on the mound four and two with a three, three, one ERA at the plate finished with a batting average of two eighty five. With 22 home runs and 61 RBIs, um, and then obviously had the uh, the surgery, the TJ, uh, which was successful. So be curious to see how that how that shapes his 2019 season and into the I future. Think both of us that. agree. Both of us agree that's not going to be a, a rookie of the year guy, right? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I mean, like if you would have played the whole year. Maybe, but offensively, not enough, in my opinion. No. Uh, but it, it will be interesting to see because obviously he's not pitching next year. So to just be a full-time hitter, more specifically, probably a full-time DH. Right. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can you know, have a full year of just 
focusing on hitting of what he does and how, how successful he be. I think it's good for baseball. It's good for the MLB. Um, and, and I think his potential is through the roof. Yeah, definitely. Um, also making a debut, not a major league debut, but with the Yankees, uh, when Carlos Stanton uh, finished the season with a batting average of 266, 38 home runs, OPS of 852, and just a beautiful, beautiful number. 211 strikeouts. Um, highlighted by two five-strikeout games within a six-day frame in early <laughs> April. I won't let that slide. The uh, first of which was in the Yankees' home opener. And then the second the second five-strikeout game, uh, that was part of a 0-for-7 effort against Baltimore Arguably the best team in baseball when it was all said and done. <laughs> um, so a great week for him in April. I would like to say he turned it around, but let's be honest, he was trash the whole season. Um, I won't say trash. I will say um, uh, didn't quite fulfill the MVP expectations that he had last year. Mechanically, the guy is atrocious i mean it is scary to watch if you know anything about hitting you know what he's doing is not right the only reason he's hitting balls this hard and this far at times are because of natural ability but mechanically it is it is gross and so something drastically needs to change um but uh i think i think it can be i mean we've seen what he can do and Honestly, I can't. I I can't call you know thirty one bombs and how many RBIs trash. Uh, um, I but, didn't get that number. I'd have to pull it up. But not uh, not great. Well, um, well, me and my biased Red Sox fanhood state, I'm gonna say trash. <laughs> um, another highlight. Uh, regarding the Yankees, we got to celebrate Father's Day a little bit early this year on April eleventh. Uh, I don't know what Joe video Kelly, Joe Kelly taking Tyler Austin, um, and bringing him into the Joe Kelly Fight Club. I don't uh, understand what video you're watching. I'm watching the same video you're watching, pal. Negative. The catcher like dragged him down with a horse collar tackle, and. Joe Kelly managed to get one knock in before he got decked. All right. And it well, wasn't e even a clean knock. Okay. Well, even if you want to consider that a win, uh, I'm not considering a win. I'm just not considering it. That's daddy about, ball. that's the, that's about the only thing Yankees did win this year. Um, <laughs> moving on to the international series. Uh, you want to take those over? Yeah, just, um, more cool stuff that MLB is trying to, to make an effort towards um, playing outside the U.S., involving um, the fan bases of where our best players are coming from. Um, Twins and Indians had a two-game series. Which, hold on, before you continue, that's the way to do it. Like, what is the NFL doing playing in London? Like, yeah, I don't know. What, are, cares we, about those games. what are we And it doing? starts at like 7 a.m. Just terrible. All right, continue. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Twins and Indians had their two games set in uh, Puerto Rico. We had Dodgers-Padres have a three-game series in Mexico. So just, um, like I said, 
MLB is doing smart stuff with this of of involving fan bases that that are just a massive part of this game, a massive part of our game, and um, I love it. It's great effort, and uh, I hope there's more of it. Definitely, and just a couple notes on on both of those series. Uh, the Puerto Rico series almost didn't happen because they were still recovering from hurricanes the previous yep. September. Uh, they're having power issues. Uh, but Major League Baseball uh, spent two, roughly $2 million in repairing the damage to the stadium to make it happen, which not only good for the game, but good for that area to give them something to kind of rally around, at, yep. least, at least for a few days. Um, and another cool note that I actually found out today in my research, uh, the Indians donated a full playoff share from the previous season's ALDS. So they... The guys got together, rallied around, and donated about thirty-seven thousand. Um, awesome to kind of that That's cause. Cool. Um, yeah. Another cool moment from that series was Lindor's two-run home run. Obviously, from that area, uh, the fans were just going nuts. All the videos show the same thing: fans getting all emotional, just really forgetting kind of what had happened for the time being. Uh, super cool to see. Um, yeah. and, then, and, and then with the Dodgers Padres series, the game one was actually, which we'll touch on the no, no uh, hitters later. Um, but game one of that series was actually the combined no, no for LA and they won, uh, or they beat the Padres for nothing. And Walker Bueller was on the mound for that game. A guy that we became very well aware of towards the end of the season. Uh, he threw six innings that game. Uh, but then the the Padres recovered and won the next two. Um, moving on, right around that time, uh, right there, uh, May 4th, right around there, um, that series in Mexico, uh, Albert Pujols also joined the 3,000 Hit Club. Um, he finished the season with 3,082 career hits, so... Um, really bumping up his uh, or improving upon his Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah, it's it's a no doubt. I mean, it's been a no doubt, I should say. Yeah, but yeah. He's just he's just racking up the. At this, the yeah, at this point, points. he's he's padding he's padding stats at this point. Yeah. Um, kind of going back uh, to the no hitters real quick. Um, earlier in the season, the first one of the season, Sean Manea with the A's throwing against the. Red Sox, of course, as many people have reminded me throughout the season. <laughs> um, the second one, as I just alluded to, Dodgers combined no-no on May 4th versus Padres. Uh, which, by the way, the Dodgers have the most no-hitters of any team in baseball with 26. Um, and my boys from Bean Town are in second with 18. Just thought I'd throw that note in there. Um, and then lastly, the third no-hitter of the season and the final no-hitter of the season was James Paxton on May 8th versus the Blue Jays. Big um, Maple. That was yeah. on my birthday. Yeah, I was about to say, the Canadian throws a no-hitter in Canada, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was only three three total in the season, uh, which there was only one in 2017, so a little bit of an improvement there. Yeah. Um, Still cool. Still surprising, honestly, with the amount of strikeouts we have this year. Yeah, and the, and the fact that they just happened so early. Like, the last one was on May 8th. Like, we had plenty of baseball to play after that. But. Right, right. Pretty strange. 
But um, uh, speaking of plenty of baseball left in him, uh, Adam Jones uh, decides to stay in Baltimore at the trade deadline, deciding not to. Uh, I think it was blocked. Uh, I think he blocked a Phillies trade. Was the rumor? I don't know if it ever came out. It yeah, the Phillies but, were interested. The the Indians yeah. were also interested. Yeah, so um, I I see it both ways. This is an um, you know another pretty cool thing that most fans don't really see or pay attention to uh, the fact that players do have rights and that it, that he decided to not uproot his family in the middle of the season. He wanted to stay in Baltimore, and I think probably just wrap your mind around you know trying to get hot going into next year it doesn't really mean anything else than that but i think there's plenty of baseball left in him he may not be an everyday center fielder but uh he seems to be a clubhouse guy he seems to be probably a 20 to 25 home run guy um so i think uh it was it was interesting to see him stay in baltimore but cool to have him flex his, his muscles a little bit and say no we alluded to my my job here in Durham earlier. Another perk was I actually got to meet him at a at a Duke basketball game. I think it was last year because he's a big uh, he's a big Duke basketball guy. Apparently, he loves coming to games. Um, so I got to meet him. Super cool guy. Super down to earth. Probably what you see um, on TV or in interviews. Yeah. If you if you think that he's a down to earth guy, I can confirm after having a conversation with him, he's just a very very down to earth guy. Uh, but yeah, like you were saying, tough tough decision to make. You know, you you obviously had Machado, Britton, uh, and Brack uh, getting shipped out ahead of the deadline. Chris Davis having just a horrendous year. Uh, yeah. Finished the year a buck sixty eight over four hundred seventy at bats 16 home, 16 home runs which is respectable but i mean for chris davis standards that's you might as well just not even hit any uh, he bamboozled he just was... bamboozled baltimore's just the entire organization all right that guy's getting paper and he doesn't care all right you're delaying my favorite part about this shoot Get, guess how many strikeouts he had uh 300 no he had 192 you want to know Less another you, Carlos thing? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. See, you're catching yeah. on. We've been doing this long enough. You know, you know where I'm. Where the kill shots are. Yeah, I'm seeing them coming. Uh, That's come on, man. Chris Davis, like the worst season ever at the plate for like any baseball player ever. And he still has less strike, fewer strikeouts than st- come. I'm not. <laughs> Mechanically, he still has a prettier swing. Yeah. Well, I mean. It is what it is. Um, kind of sticking with this Jones thing real quick. Some a quote that he had in regard people or the media rather was kind of asking him, basically like, "What's the deal? Like, why why are you sticking around?" And uh, this this was a quote of his around that that time. Uh, he said, "It's my decision. It's my life. No one's going to tell me what to do. I earned every single bit of it." And he's referring to the right to stay with the team. Um, people before me fought vigorously tirelessly to get rights like this when players walked walked out years ago and walked the picket lines and stuff they did they did that for reasons like this here's the thing about society everyone thinks that they know what's best for the next person now if someone wants to pay all my bills trust me they can tell me what to do but until then shut the hell up so 
works for me. Cool to Straight see up. to see like some old school guy kind of like that sticking to his guns and like you said, flexing his muscles a little bit. Um, also flexing his muscles as we're moving right along the timeline here. Bryce Harper in the home run derby in uh, mid July uh, walks it off at home in the nation's capital. Shout out DC, thirty minutes from my from my hometown. Uh, beats Schwarber in the finals, hits a total of forty four home runs, totaling three and a half miles. Pretty cool stat there. <laughs> um, he had. Another little nugget I was unaware of. He had four of the five longest home runs of the home run derby. Uh, he actually had two through five. Javier Baez actually had the first one at 479 feet. Um, moving right along, the Little League Classic, something that to me kind of got overlooked or forgotten, if you will. I mean, it was yeah. definitely a cool it event, fun. but... It surprised me. Like, I didn't even know it was happening until I started watching it. Yeah, it was the uh, Phillies and the Mets on August 19th in Williamsport, Pennsylvania at BB&T Ballpark at Historic Bowman Field. Uh, the Mets won by a score of 8-2. to two. But, yeah, like like I said, it just, to me, it seemed like one of those things where, I mean, they promoted it fairly well. Like, I definitely remember seeing commercials, ESPN, all that stuff, seeing stuff on social uh, but maybe it's just one of those things where it's going to take a few years to really pick up steam and kind of oh yeah stick in sure. the, stick in the minds of baseball fans like oh yeah it's it's about time for the little league classic yeah um, I absolutely love that that it's closed off to the public and basically only the kids uh, in in the little league world series get to go yeah totally cool totally cool so awesome um kind of. Coming down the home stretch of the season, there's a few months there where we kind of skipped through. Um, but kind of looking at the tail end of the season, let's talk about the Rays. How how under the radar were they this year? Big time. Big time doing it in one of the toughest divisions in baseball. Pulling out 90 wins. Um, I think, uh, again, I kind of mentioned a few weeks ago, but Kevin Cash will get some manager of the year votes. Um, phenomenal job. Um, your your stadium sucks. Your fan base sucks. The cowbells suck. But you managed to honestly, your roster kind of sucks. But you managed to just be so intelligent with, with with just getting wins and figuring out how to do it and and starting the opener trend and knowing you know knowing your players uh, when it comes down to it, you really had a knowledge of his of his roster and and did the best job he could and I, I'm I if he was on the first year list I would he would have gotten an A plus in my book absolutely without a doubt um, and kind of another note about that team is as I've mentioned here before living here in Durham so we're I'm literally like five minutes from where the Bulls play uh, and if you don't know they're the AAA affiliate of the Rays um, but a cool thing to see was because they were kind of struggling a little bit there in the early going of the season, uh, they saw no problem in calling up guys from AAA, just kind of get their feet wet, uh, get them some experience. And so I was I was fortunate enough to go to a, a number of games of, uh, for the Bulls early in the season, so I was able to kind of learn more about these guys. And then I was able to see them go up to the major league level and um, kind of see them flourish up there, specifically one guy that was – 
uh, very talented for them this year was Jake Bowers, uh, first baseman. Mm-hmm. I was actually yep. I was actually watching the game when they played New York, and I'm not saying this because it's the Yankees, but it was cool that he uh, I believe he had like a walk off double off the wall uh, against the Yankees, and I think that was actually they actually swept New York that series if I recall. Um, Sounds about right. And it it was just really cool to see just these young guys kind of coming up and not only like surviving but thriving right out of the gate. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think having Kevin Cash at the helm was huge. I think he's he's done an excellent job there in Tampa. Um, and I as as much as I hated the Rays a few years back because they they had a little bit of success there and they, I think it got to their heads. I'm really yeah. I'm really hoping for the best, especially for Cash and and these young guys that I've been fortunate enough to watch. Um, I think they've got a bright future ahead, especially with the the stadium coming and everything. So it'll be fun 100%, to see. Hundred percent, hundred percent. One kind of depressing, scary thought is: Are we done seeing Adrian Beltre? Um, I hope not. Just, man. I, I love his antics and just just the stud. He's weird. He's funny. But he's just he's just a badass man, and he's um, you know just an absolute lock at third base defensively, offensively. He's just flown under the radar as far as uh, as far as a overall career status. I mean that guy has put up some crazy numbers, and so it would be unfortunate to see him go. I would like him to see. Uh, I would like to see him go to a contender. Um, I don't know if he's got the 162 in him anymore, but I think if you can get 80 or 90 out of him and have him hit 270 and play great defense and, and hit 20 home runs, I think, and, and get him a ring somewhere, I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, there's actually a rumor there when uh, Rafael Devers got hurt in Boston that they were thinking about maybe picking him up. Um, yeah, just I heard kinda, a little bit about just that. Just to kind of finish out the year, bringing him back to Boston because obviously he played. He had a stint there, so th- yep. that would have been cool to kind of bring him back. But it all worked out. Um, but if if this was indeed his final game in the majors, he finishes his career with three thousand one hundred and sixty six hits, uh, four hundred seventy seven home runs, one thousand seven hundred seven RBI, and a career batting average of two eighty six. So. Awesome. You can uh, you can pretty much seal the deal. He's he's headed to Cooperstown. It's just a matter of when. Right. Um, at least in my opinion. Hundred um, percent has to be. But yeah, def- like you said, definitely a depressing thought that we might not have his uh, his goofy antics. If he here's the thing: if if he is not the the epitome of success equal or plain loose equaling success. Like it, yeah. if he's not the prime example of that, then I don't know what is. Like this guy right. just obviously he obviously has respect for his job. He takes it seriously when it matters, but this guy just goes out there and has a has a good time. Like he enjoys himself. He enjoys being around his teammates. His teammates love him, as you could tell yeah. when he when he walked off the field uh, down there in Arlington for the last time. They, they just love the guy and the fans love him. And there's re- I I'd be hard pressed to find somebody that. It just, just like just a general baseball fan that doesn't like him. He's just right. He's just exactly. a super likable guy. Exactly. No one can say a bad thing about him. Super, super fun guy to watch. We were fortunate enough to to watch him for all these years, and hopefully he'll be back for more. But if not, definitely a Hall of Famer in my book. Um, 
moving on, uh, sort of an odd topic this year, something that kind of came up out of nowhere is the hand, foot, and mouth disease that we saw not once, not twice, but three times, uh, at least three times that were made publicly known. Um, Weird. Noah Syndergaard, Jay Happ, and Brad Peacock all fell victim to it. Um, And for those who don't know exactly what it is, don't feel bad because I really didn't know the extent of it either, but I looked it up. According to the Mayo Clinic, it's most common in settings catering to small children and infants, such as a daycare where diapers are changed or little ones are putting unwashed hands in their mouths. It can be spread by contact with an infected person's stool, saliva, nasal secretion, or fluid from a blister. I bet when you tuned into this episode, you weren't expecting to hear the definition of hand, foot, and mouth disease. But it's yeah, 2018. It's, 2018. it's the Major League Baseball season. These are the things that happen. These are the things we have <laughs> to deal with. Um, but yeah, like it was just really weird to see. Like obviously being a Red Sox guy, I know when Jay Happ went down with it. I don't think he. I don't. Was he a Yankee at that time? I don't. I don't remember. He was. He was freshly a Yankee. Okay. Yeah. And I. Yeah, I, remember, I think he had one start and then it happened. Yeah, and I just remember him getting all sorts of crap for it. Like, what are you do? Like, what are you doing with your hands, guy? Like, <laughs> I, I just don't understand. Yeah, I think he's just got little ones, and I think they're probably just as gross as any other little ones. Jeez, poor guys. Like, yeah, Yankee or not, that's just that sucks. Not to mention, you have to go on the DL for that, so you're losing time. Seriously, yeah, which is just brutal. Um, yeah, also brutal. Having to watch the Yankees seal the home run major league home run record, uh, I'll let you take that one because I'm sure you're just all ecstatic about that. Uh, I am excited. I am excited because it, um, you know, it's it's being done by a young core of of guys. There's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of um, strength here. Like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of it to begin with, but now I'm just with the rest of the fan base. Excited to see these exit velocity numbers. Excited to see the distance traveled. Um, you know, we got the biggest dude in the game doing it. Um, you know, we got the strongest dude in the game doing it. We've got fat Gary Sanchez doing it. So it's, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of potential and, and it's cool to see. Um, arguably, the one thing that, uh, that, you know, the, quote-unquote baseball fan that doesn't really understand the game is just entertained by baseball uh likes and it's it's home runs you know that the no one can dispute the numbers and the viewership in the 90s with the steroid era um because of the number of home runs and so now we're seeing uh hopefully it, it being done naturally but uh you know yes yankee stadium is a sandbox Truth is, it's the same size as old Yankee Stadium, but I did read an article saying that with this new one, uh, the concourse is bigger, the airflow through the stadium is bigger, so that's why you're seeing balls uh, get out of there so easily. So um, I think it was was pretty cool, but I will give your guys a little credit um, with uh, another record that was broken this year, which was walk-off record uh, across the MLB. I think the Red Sox did a pretty good job, just like uh, multiple other teams. But, um, you know, another one that is just an exciting part of baseball that there's there's not much better. There's not much better in the game than a walk off, you know. 
Yeah, definitely. And breaking that record was Houston's Tyler White with a walk-off homer in the ninth inning against the A's on August 29th, um, which is cool because at that time, the AL West was starting to heat up a little bit. So not that it really had any impact on the walk-off record, but it's cool to see kind of those things come together, those two storylines. Um, so yeah, that was the, the 81st of the season. Uh, and, and that broke the previous record of 80 set in 2004. Um, so yeah, in a while. There, there's, there's a few records being broken, uh, this season. Yeah. So that was cool to see. Um, and speaking of the A's, let's, uh, similar to the Rays, let's, let's talk about them a little bit and kind of an unlikely playoff experience. Another guy that's going to get some, uh, um, manager of the year votes with Bob Melvin, um, Obviously, anytime this team gets near or around the playoffs, we saw it in the early 2000s. Everybody's seen Moneyball. Um, we're starting to see it again. They're doing it in uh, in some fun ways. I don't understand how the other Chris Davis, Chris with a K, is hitting balls out of that stadium. I mean, that is not a small park. The place is huge. And he hit how many? 47, 48 this year or something like that? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, Just right went there. nuts. Just went crazy. I mean, it's good for baseball having that, that one team that, uh, that everyone's waiting to get over the hump. And I feel like they're starting to do it. I think they could be a sneaky team this offseason. They may get some cheap, um, some cheap signings. That could be a good fit. Obviously, the the 2019 uh, free agent pool is massive. I think that the, the uh, A's did a great job this year. I think you're going to see them again next year. Absolutely. So, kind of on that note, taking a pause here from the recap, if you had to pick a sleeper team, NL or AL, for the 2019 season to wind up in the World Series, who would you who who would you pick? Wow, sleeper for the World Series, huh? Yeah, not just like a like a surprising season. Like, who do you think could could be a sneaky team to make the World Series? Oh man, um, sneaky. I I could say with the rumors, uh, if Machado and Harper go to the Phillies, I could see the Phillies sneaking in. Honestly. I don't think the AL is is going to be too crazy. I think we're going to see the top three teams of Red Sox, uh, Yankees, and um, Astros in that mix. I don't think that's going to change. But the NL to me is up for grabs. I can yeah, see the there, Phillies. There's going to be a lot if of they pull those two guys in. Yeah, if they if they get those two guys in, they go add uh, you know a, a veteran arm for not too expensive price. I could see them doing it. How about you? Uh, well, I'm not going to pick a sleeper team for the World Series because I don't like being put on the spot. I just wanted to put you on the spot. But <laughs> a sneaky team that I will I will say um, that I could see doing well is um, – and I know we I've ragged on them all year because I just feel like they haven't made the moves necessary to support Mike Trout in his uh, championship hopes. But uh, the Angels, I feel like might might figure it out whether it's this off season or with with moves before the deadline uh, next year. There's just something about it. I just feel like 
there's been kind of this buzz surrounding them with, with Otani throughout the year, and although they didn't have the best year, I think that something could potentially happen with them this year. Um, yeah, now that Mike Soch is finally gone. Yeah, th- that too. Um, which we'll we'll dive into the new hires uh, in an episode to come. But uh, yeah, I think yeah, I j- the Angels are something about them that I think. Uh, well, obvi- I'll obviously dive into why I think that again in a later episode. But that would be Fair a enough. team. That'd be a team that I I think could could make some noise next year. Um, let's see. The Braves, another team, surprise. Uh, I'd say a lot of people, big time. A I lot know, of a lot of youth production. Yeah, I know we mentioned it uh, in earlier episodes. We might we people probably thought that they were a year early um, in terms of arriving to the postseason scene, yep. uh, finishing with a record of ninety and seventy-two. Um, just dominated the NL East really like people thought yeah. the 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 Nats were going to run away with it um as they had in, in years past uh but they finished 8 games ahead of Washington which pretty impressive um obviously not not how they wanted the postseason to end or to go yeah. for that matter but uh, I still think I, I, I marked that down as a successful year. Absolutely. Definitely something to build on. Like you said, you got yeah. the youth, you got the youth there. And if you can keep those guys around for a while, you could, I don't want to go as far as saying you got a dynasty, but those guys are, those guys are yeah. built to really to be core. a foundation of a very, very successful team. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Brewers, Having a having a having a good year, Christian Yelich obviously in the charge with them. Uh, finished Yelich specifically finished the year with a batting average of three twenty six, had thirty six home runs, one hundred and ten RBIs, OPS of a thousand. Uh, the presumed NL MVP also had the cycle twice this season against the same team, nonetheless. Um, but yeah, the Brewers Brewers just finished with a solid season. I mean, best record in the NL. I'm sure to the surprise. Yep. I know we're we're kind of on the theme here of surprises, but I don't think people at the start of the year had them finishing with the best record in the NL, um, nope. ed- edging out the Cubs there at the end. But uh, yeah, yeah, any I hope this, any final I hope this isn't going to. I I just hope it's not going to be similar to what they did back in uh, 08. Yeah, um, you know when they had CC as a rental, um, they were super exciting. They just couldn't quite get there. I, I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see that kind of let down next year. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Um, I think it's a good core uh, with Christian Yelich. Um, Lorenzo Cain is, is, uh, had a, a really under-the-radar year. Um, you got a future in Jesus Aguilar. You know, they're just, uh, I think, a couple starting pitchers away from, uh, from being pretty good again. So... Um, I say good for them, but another tough division. Yeah, and kind of going off what you're saying about the 08 team, uh, I, I think this group kind of, like you alluded to, is just is built differently. Like they they've just got the guys. I think they can can make it work for yeah for multiple years and not just one powerhouse year. But uh, as I always say on here, time will tell. Um, but I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to possibly seeing them deep into the playoffs next year because they, they were a fun bunch to watch. Yeah. Um, sneaky buyers again with this this free agent pool. I think they're going to be sneaky. 
Yeah. Um, moving on, just running through the retirements real quick. Uh, notable retirements included David Wright, as you already mentioned, Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Shane Victorino, Victor Martinez, Brad Ziegler, Andre Ethier, Colby Rasmus, Brandon McCarthy, among others. Um, so we're getting to that point. Kind of. Like I did we, not know Colby Rasmus retired. Yeah, uh, but like I was saying, we're we're kind of getting to that point, kind of like with the Hall of Fame, where we're starting to see these guys that we just thought were basically like immortal that just we thought were yeah. going to be around forever. They're starting to kind of, kind of. Uh, weed their way out of the game or start like, like we've already alluded to a number of times on here. We're seeing the youth, the, the youth, uh, coming, uh, coming through on really, or, or rather across the entire board, like on just about every team, you've got yeah. young superstars on just about every team that are, uh, really taking over the game. Um, but yeah, a f- few notable guys on here, like we said, David Wright, Ryan Howard, Shane Victorino, which I didn't even realize he was still like playing baseball. I thought he had been retired for a while, but agreed. I guess agreed. officially called it quits. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts about those retirements? Ryan Howard was a very sad ending to uh, what I thought uh, ha- had more of a potential in his career. Um, a, a very staple for the Phillies. Uh, with um, winning the ring and then going back again the next year. Um, I think uh, very sad to see him just kind of float around with injuries and then minor league deals and never really getting um, another chance again. That that makes me a little sad. Um, and then, you know, David Wright, is again, falls under that category that makes us feel a little older of guys that we grew up watching starting to fade out. Chase Utley bothered me, so I don't mind it. Uh, he can go. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, it, it's it's bittersweet each year. It's bittersweet each year seeing these types of guys call quits. Absolutely. Um, and kind of sticking with the uh, theme of retired, we have a few numbers that were retired this year. Uh, the probably the most important of which was Roy Halladay's number 32 uh, RIP doc. Uh, he was, it was retired posthumously uh, with the blue Jays. Um, Barry bonds, 25 as much as I hate talking about him on this show retired with the giants earlier this year, obviously uh, Jim Tomey's 25 with the Indians Jack yep. Morris and Alan Trammell, both of the Tigers had their 47 and number three retired, respectively. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always cool to see guys get their numbers retired, kind of get etched into that team's history. Um, yeah. And definitely some notable and definitely deserving names uh, listed there. Minus Bonds, but we won't go into Sur- that. Surprising that it took Jim Tomey this long. Or I should say it took the Indians this long to get his number retired. Yeah, I was about to say, he's probably sitting there just being like, uh, looking at his clock, like, what's going on, guys? Let's, uh, yeah, let's, were, let's you, like, were you were you questioning on if he was going to go in the Hall of Fame? Were you questioning what team he would go under? Like, come on. Like, you knew what was going to happen. Retire his number the next year, if not two years after. But, like, what are we at, five, six years after? Well, it's what? Take, took it too long. Um, 
I'm a terrible baseball fan for not knowing this. What year was he inducted? Was it this year or last this year. year? Okay. It was this year. So then I kind of give them a little slack where it's like, all right, maybe that was kind of the thought process all along was kind of like the induction year. Let's retire at the same year. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look the look at the exact date on which they did it. But if it was relatively close, then there you go. Maybe that's why. Um, but nonetheless, like I said, definitely deserving. Uh, just a phenomenal hitter throughout his career. Um, moving on, we had two game 163s. Uh, we're, awesome. get, we're getting to the, the recency uh, points here where we can kind of remember them vaguely as they just happened roughly a month ago or less. Um, but still, still noteworthy. The NL Central um, was determined by game 163. Milwaukee won that game 3-1 to one over Chicago. And the NL West was decided by game 163. And that was LA taking the game by a score of 5-2 to two over the Rockies. Um, speaking of the Rockies, uh, they knocked the Cubs out of the postseason in a very surprising change of events. Uh, Pretty wild. The Cubs lost game, not only lost game 163, but they lost a wild card game at home in back-to-back days, which I don't think anybody really saw happening, especially the uh, the Wrigley faithful. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's a that's a hostile place to play. I mean, it's it, the crowd's tight. It's on you. It's loud. There's no other fan getting in there. You know what I'm saying? Especially when they're it's not a Rockies fan sneaking in there. Um, they're just strange to see very strange to see from a talented group um uh unfortunately for the rockies they uh didn't get to do too much after that the bats went cold so uh, to me i feel like if the if the cubs could have won that they would have done a little more in the playoffs than what the rockies did right but that's the way it goes man that's baseball um and then as we all know the rest of the postseason, just a beautiful thing. Uh, best team in baseball taking down New York on the road, Houston on the road, and L.A. on the road en route to their ninth world championship. Um, and that wraps up 2018, at least from our perspective. Um, but let me ask you, what are some looking ahead uh, 2019. What are some things you're looking forward to? You and I already talked about it, brother. It's going to see the AL East coming to visit the NL West. Yes, I am legitimately going to try to make that trip happen. I don't know with my work schedule what's gonna what that's gonna look like, but it's gonna happen. Let them know now. That, I'll talk to them. That, I'll just talk to them. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you my boss's phone number. But uh, yeah. that that would be a super fun series to watch. Not only because the Red Sox would be coming to town, um, and when I say town, I mean out in Colorado. Um, but as I'm sure I've mentioned to you before, whether on air or off, that's the one part that that Coors Field is at the top of my list right now of fields I want to see. And people are like, "Well, what about like Wrigley?" I mean, yeah, Wrigley definitely like is a baseball like history guy. But yeah. for whatever reason, like, well, actually for reasons we've talked about, like the, 
just the scene there, the the environment, just everything about yeah. it is just awesome. And I would love to be there uh, for my first game to watch them take on Boston. So definitely, definitely agree with you on that one. We'll not disappoint. We will make it happen. Uh, was there anything else, or was that your is that your kind of what you're holding on to for 2019? Uh, well, I was just uh, more alluding to the fact of how you were going to figure out where you're going to sit in Coors Field. Uh, well, uh-huh. that's I, right. I, I caught you at the I see with the what sneaky you're left hook. Well, thankfully, we have the solution. Do you, by chance, know what the solution is? Uh, Geet, seek, lay. No, it's actually <laughs> seat geek. Seat geek is the answer to all your ticketing needs. Are you looking for tickets? Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? Or are you even looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets to game, concerts, shows, and even theater performances with just a few easy clicks. We're making it even better for you if you're a first-time user of SeatGeek. Next time you add some tickets to your cart, use your promo code DTD at checkout to save $20 instantly off your first purchase as a first-time user. So all you got to do is save some of that cold, hard cash and our promo code at DTD at checkout. I'm a terrible planner because... I didn't include that in my notes for today. I had it. I must have just not pasted it into this week's notes, so I had to go oh, back. Good thing you had it memorized. To the last episode. Yeah, I wish no, you I had it memorized. Haven't gotten to that point yet, but I think you have it tattooed on your arm. Give it, yeah, I gotta <laughs> gotta get those promo codes used, man. Um, yeah. No, all honesty, when 2019 rolls around, uh, I am just uh, I'm I'm excited for this off season. One of the first off seasons I can remember that I'm pumped about. This is going to be super exciting. Um, this is the year that a lot of people have been waiting for. Um, it's a big star studded list of free agents. And I think, uh, I'm cool with it either going quick or taking a while, but, uh, I'm excited to cover it with us. I'm excited for us to talk about it. I'm excited for people to chat with us about it and give us their opinions about it. Absolutely. Um, things I'm looking forward to in 2019, First and foremost, a Red Sox repeat. Uh, second of all, which we didn't really mention at all because obviously it didn't happen in 2018, but something that I'm pumped about for 2019 uh, is the Royals-Tigers matchup in Omaha in June. Um, it's yep. going to be two days before the first game of the College World Series, um, part of Major League Baseball's initiative to, to kind of bridge that gap from college baseball to Major League Baseball. Um, something I've expressed on here, uh, a number of times that I just think is an awesome move for both levels, um, to kind of, uh, like I said, just bridge that gap because there's, there's obviously, there's obviously a void there. And I think not only kind of linking NCAA baseball with major league baseball, but to do it at like the cathedral of college baseball, um, especially at that time of the year, I just think is awesome. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. Obviously not a fan of of uh, either of those teams necessarily, but um, I'll definitely be tuning in for that because I'll be in college baseball mode at that point anyway. So <laughs> I'll be I'll be pumped for that. Which, by the way, still got to make it out of the College World Series. I've been telling followers on 
like Snapchat for like the last two years. So I'm going to make it out there because there's actually, I've actually got some followers out there uh, that not only live out there, but go out there. And then I've also got followers that don't live out there, but they go out there and I want to see them want to meet some people. Um, I will join you, buddy. Well, let's, let's make a goal. Maybe we'll have a little dirt to diamonds booth out maybe, there. Yeah. Maybe uh, either this year or next year at the latest, I just, I've got to get out there. Um, but yeah, like I said, definitely pumped for that. But uh, that about does it. Uh, one last thing before we go. Um, so we have it on record, and it'll be easier to remember which episode it happened in because I can just reference this next October. Give me right off the top of your head your World Series prediction for next year. Right off the top of my head? That's correct. Oh, my God. Uh, that's not fair. Uh, gotta do it. I gotta say Yankees. I think Yankees are. I mean, you don't right. have to. Like, if, if you're a smart no. baseball fan, you don't have to do that. No, there's definitely intelligence based off of what I'm saying. Always. Um, I'm a genius. Well, let's just hope um, it's more intelligent than what Aaron Judge did uh, with his boombox about a month or so ago. But uh, anyway, continue. Unrelated. Dodgers are not going back. No. That I freaking promise you. All right, I'm standing by that. I know I've talked down on the Dodgers all year, and they still made it happen. But next year, it's not happening. You know who did stand by the Dodgers this year? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go with uh, Cubs because they're going to sign Bryce Harper. I would agree with you 100% on that. I've been saying that for a while. It's going to link up with his Vegas boy, Chris Bryant, and they're just going to wreak havoc on the rest of the National League. But it's all for naught because American League champion is going to be the World Series winner anyway. Um, my prediction, um, hmm, I'm gonna say, well, I, I I have to go with Boston. I just have to go with Boston. Uh, no, I legitimately think they'll be back. Uh, they've got just got a solid, solid squad. Best in baseball. You've heard it all. Um, I'm going to say Boston. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say it's going to be an old school type matchup. It's going to, again, for a second year in a row, it's going to be Boston and Atlanta. It's going to be the Boston Braves throwing it way back to the early, early Red Sox days. Back when they wore the Boston Bra- or not wore the Boston Braves, but that history, I think, will will come to the forefront uh, next year, next October. It's going to be Boston and Atlanta. Bold, very bold. I think the youth will make moves when it matters most, and we will see them in the World Series and the Fall Classic next year. Um, all right, well that should do it. Wrapping up the 2018 season, doing a little previewing of the 2019 season. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, rest in peace, uh, Willie McCovey. True. Big time. Rest in peace Hard to, to see a guy lost. Uh, I, I'm sorry, 80 to me is still too young. Um, Absolutely. Just, just a, an absolute, like you said, legend, staple of our game. And not to mention, um, if I recall, I mean, obviously out here on the East Coast, not following the Giants all too closely, but from what I can remember, he was pretty active with that organization. Like, 
even, I think so even too. in his later years. Like he would he he would show up for games for events. If I if yeah. again if I remember correctly, but just to see that obviously in his later years down down yeah. towards the end there that was that was uh, pretty cool to see. Just amazing, um, just an absolute stud, and I think it's such a cool honor that that he doesn't have a street named after him. He doesn't have a a corner named after him. He has that, a cove. that we know of. Yeah, he's got a cove named he's, after. He's him. got the cove, and so I think that's just really cool. We lost we lost a big one today, or I should say, yesterday. But big one. Uh, sad to see him go. Absolutely. Um, well, that should do it for this episode. Not gonna lie, when I was pulling my notes together, like we talked about, I I very well could have seen this going two plus hours but uh we're, <laughs> we're sitting right here at roughly an hour 10 hour 12 uh minutes deep so well done i mean i'm impressed that we were able to recap the season a very very fun season to watch uh for sure have to agree um, with that 100%. a lot a lot of good stuff happened a lot of good stuff for the game took place yep uh and we can only hope that it gets better in the seasons to come Yes, sir. Um, all right. Well, that officially does it. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch back up with you guys early next week to bring more baseball to your baseball list life. Welcome to the off season. Uh, in the meantime, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it and leave that rating and review. How many stars, Nate? The old Mambo number five. Well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, also, be sure to check out the new and improved shop. I just got done making some changes to it. We got some brand new podcast merch up and live. So go check that out. We got shirts, hoodies, crew necks, phone cases, and more. So hop on over right now, right after this episode finishes. And after you leave the review, of course, uh, go to shop.dtdbaseball.com and just grab whatever your heart desires. Uh, We love y'all. And as always, we're looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until then, Stay filthy. What the f- are you trying to take? You take! Don't tell me you don't see!